Was that weird for anybody? Seeing silent light on not Christmas Eve candlelight service? I was sitting there thinking, is this even legal? Can, can, we, can we even do this? Uh, what a great song. What great lyrics. What uh, just great thoughts. And uh, we also sang Grace is Enough. And, and I wonder if we all truly believe that. Is grace enough? Or is there more that we, you know, try to do or, or figure out or uh, work on? And, and uh, we're going to talk about that today. I'm, I'm, I just love this series that we're in, and I like what God's been teaching me and showing me. Now, I want to start with this. Sister Grace at the convent opened a letter from home, and she found a $100 bill. And uh, she thought this was a great gift. She looked out the window uh, of her room, and she noticed a shabbily dressed stranger leaning against the light post below. So she, she took that $100 bill, she put it in an envelope, and she wrote a no- note that said, Don't despair, Sister Grace. Um, the stranger picked it up. She, she tossed it out. The stranger picked it up, read the note. He tipped his hat to Sister Grace, and he hurried away. The next day, Sister Grace was told that a man was asking to see her. She went down to find the stranger waiting for her, and without a word, he handed her a huge wad of $100 bills. What's this, she asked. He says, that's your $8,000, sister. Don't despair, paid 80 to 1. (laughs) Now, um... Grace received a gift really twice, right? She received a gift, unmerited from her parents, of $100. And then she thought she was giving a gift, but that stranger misinterpreted the gift and laid a $100 bet on the horse, don't despair, and then brought her back an even bigger gift. Today, we're going to begin talking about again, we're going to continue talking about gifts that we received from God. Last week, we, we looked at expectancy. And I wonder if any of you practiced bated breath this week. Uh, I, I actually heard it from a couple people. And, uh, you know, for those of you who are just coming today, you weren't here last week, we talked about uh, entering the Christmas season and the season of Advent, um, expecting, waiting, looking for God to do something. And, and the, the word expectancy is not the word expectation as in there's big responsibility and that sort of thing. It's, it's what is God going to do? And, and bated breath, you know, we found out last week is not spelled B-A-I-T-E-D, breath, which I always thought it was. It's B-A-T-E-D, which is sort of like, right? You know, like a, a, a mother and father who are about to, uh, the mother's about to give birth to their first child and they're just, you know, what's, what's it going to be like? Now, I, I, I didn't give this to Craig this morning, but, uh, and many of you know, we've been praying for my niece, Larissa, who uh, over a year ago was uh, diagnosed with stage four lung cancer at the age of 36. Um, this, I got this letter uh, from my sister-in-law. It says this, we praise God that the second line targeted chemo medication seems to be accepted by Larissa's body. They used one targeted form of chemo for a period of time, and it got to the point, as it often does with this sort of um, targeted treatment, her her body and the cancer cells themselves kind of got used to it and figured it out, and it quit 
working. So they, they moved on to the second phase. Um, and we've been praying that this second phase would, would uh, that Larissa would be one that this would uh, work in. She continues to be active with her family and church activities, especially during this special Christmas season. Larissa's blood was tested on November 22nd to see if the markers for cancer have been affected by the new medication. We praise God that the markers are going down, double exclamation point. At that meeting with her doctor, Larissa and Rob gave him thankful hand cards um, made by their kids to thank the doctor for his care for their mom. If you knew Larissa or anything about her, you would know this is just, it's just what she does. It's just what she's teaching her children to do and to be. Um, the doctor shared with them at this appointment that he had actually gone to Bethel Church's website, which is where Rob is senior pastor at, and listened to one of Rob's sermons. So it's like, wow, what's going on here? Maybe, maybe God's going to use this in the life of this doctor to save him. Um, pray in, praise in this journey. Larissa will have another PET scan this coming Wednesday, December 13th, to see if the two new cancer spots detected in the October scan are being halted and diminished. Please pray with us that the cancer spots are gone, that there are no new spots, and the cancer markers are continuing to go down to normal, and most of all, that she would receive total healing from our powerful God. What a special Christmas gift that would be. And we're waiting for it. And we're, we're, we're waiting with expectancy, praying that God would answer this prayer of healing. That's what I'm talking about, expectancy. And, and that can be, that, that's true in all of our lives with all various things that we struggle with or, or we're challenged with or that sort of thing. It's, God, what are you going to do? Because he's working. You can bank on it. He's working. And, and we need to continue to trust him with that. Um, this morning... Uh, we're looking at the gift of grace. Now, not sister grace, but God's grace. Grace, grace, God's grace. Now, the dictionary defines grace as unmerited divine assistance given humans for their regeneration or sanctification. I wonder if Webster was a believer or some sort of theologian, because that's, that's pretty good. Um, and that definition, of course, comes from several passages in Scripture. I'm pretty sure the Bible was here. Uh, the books of the Bible were here before Webster's Dictionary. Um, it doesn't take much to read a few of those and understand that that's what grace really is. Um, but first, I want us to consider this morning the difficulty in truly and simply receiving grace. Because we just sang a couple songs ago that, that God's grace is enough. It's enough for me. But do we really believe it? Do we live our life every day? As if God's grace is, is enough. Um, we're conditioned in our culture to earn. Um, you want to start on your respective basketball or volleyball or football team. It starts in junior high, right? If you want to be on the starting five or six or, or whatever that team has, how do you get there? You earn it. You work, we tell our kids, you got to work hard. You got to practice. Um, and you got to step up. You got to earn that spot. You want to get a pizza party at the end of the school year? If you're in elementary school, what do you do? You got to earn it. You got to earn it. You, you want that promotion at work? You want that bonus at Christmas time? You got to do things throughout the year in order for your boss to think that you deserve it. You earn it. Want that award of some kind? You know, um, you want something to put on your resume? How do you get that? You earn it. You do things in life that will put you above others who are clamoring for that same award. 
You want to be the favorite child in the family? You just got to be the youngest. In case my brothers or my sister are listening to today's message. No, you, I mean, you be obedient, you be compliant, you get good grades, you come home on time, etc., etc., etc. Now, I am not saying that all of those things I just mentioned are bad. They are actually good. But, but what we condition ourselves to be then is somebody that if they're to receive something good in their life, I have to produce. I have to deserve it. And we're going to see today that, that God's grace has nothing to do with deserving anything or earning anything, which is hard for us to wrap our minds around. God's grace, we've got to just receive it and accept it for what it is. Now, what is it that I'm referring to? God's grace. Now, I gave this, um, I had this in my notes, but I didn't mention it yet. Um, with that definition that Webster gives, uh, unmerited divine assistance given humans for their regeneration or sanctification, in the face of eternity, okay, that is a pretty incredible gift. Uh, unmerited sanctification, unmerited salvation, unearned um, it's grace, and I don't know if you've put this up yet, but this is the definition that I put in your notes. Grace is getting something we don't deserve or haven't earned. When God gives us his grace, we haven't earned it. We don't deserve it. We receive something, and that something, um, is, is, it's actually several things. Forgiveness, for one. Uh, salvation for another, and eternal life in a kingdom greater than we could ever imagine. Those are gifts of God's grace, a restored relationship with our Creator, strength and power to live every day of our lives, given to us through the Holy Spirit, all given undeserved because why? We are sinful people. We are sinful people. You know, oftentimes, kids, in your life, you, you, you do something wrong, you disobey or whatever, there's a consequence for that. Um, there's a consequence for sin in our life. And, and the Bible says, the Bible calls it wages. It's the payment of our sin for our sin. And Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is it's death. It's death. And, and that's a problem for us. It separates us from God. And when we try to be him ourselves and rule our own kingdom and do our own thing and make all of the decisions in our own lives, pride, selfishness, dishonor, lying, cheating, dishonesty, uncaring, selfish anger, and that list, of course, goes on. I mean, we're a frightful lot. We are. I mean, look at our world. Watch the news for 10 minutes. If it's not corruption of a, a political leader or somebody, it's, it's, it's lies about their corrupt or their non-corruption, or who even knows anymore, honestly. Brokenness and pain are all caused by sin, and sin entered our world through one man and woman, Adam and Eve. 
Um, Romans 5, 12 through 14 says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. That doesn't leave any of us out. We are all in this condition. To be sure, verse 13 goes on, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Sin and death, it entered through one man. And death came to, it says, all people. All sins. Man, I mean, we are in a pickle. Uh, We are condemned condemned to death and its wages, its consequences, with no way of working or meriting our way out of it, although many of us try. I, I, I was looking for the gifts of Jesus this week. Uh, not this week, last week. And I came across this article. It was, it was a, a message by the head bishop of the Mormon church. And, and he had four gifts that he was listing um, that we celebrate at Christmas time. And I thought, well, that's, I'd kind of like to know what he says. And, and out of those four gifts, um, three of them had everything to do with our own merit and everything that we could do to deserve those gifts. Um, the Mormon church was mentioned as a gift and as the only way unto salvation in this message that he's giving, which is not true. Um, and then, and then he goes on. Is his next point? He said, "The third gift of God at Christmas time is the Book of Mormon." And we all know, he says, and and I can print it out for you and hand it to you. You could Google it and find it, because there is no other book to which we know is as qualified and trustworthy as the Book of Mormon. And I always thought they held high the Bible as well, but in this particular message, which is this year's message. Mm-mm. The Bible's somewhere down here. I would hold the truth and veracity of both books up against each other any day. And the Bible will hands down come out on top every, every time. But this grace, we can't earn it. Now, um, that verse in Romans 6.23, you know, I kind of held off a little bit. I, did we put that up there, the first part of Romans 6.23? And, and maybe you've turned there, I don't know. But Romans 6.23 starts out, of course, for the wages of sin is death. What's the next word? But! It's a huge but! But what? The what? Gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's a gift. It has to be. For if the many died, um, let's, chapter 5, Paul says this in verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. This gift that, so Paul's saying, okay, here's the trespass. Um, it entered by one man and it affects us all. And then Paul goes on to say, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace, 
and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the, of the man. Who? Who did this grace come through? Jesus. Jesus Christ. And, and we are anticipating the celebration of his coming in this season. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, have you ever given anybody a gift and they turned you down? Or, or they were like, ah, I don't like this. Have you ever had that happen? Sort of an awkward moment, isn't it? It's like, uh, what do you even say to that? You know, it's like hashtag awkward. I mean, that's really all you can come up with. Now, to be fair, it can at times be difficult to receive something as a gift because what? We've been conditioned to perform and deserve things. Even when it comes to gifts, sometimes we try to justify it. Maybe we wouldn't say it out loud. We might think, oh, well, you know, I kind of deserve that. Thanks. You know, um, I did do a lot for them. You know, it's a gift, and I didn't ask for it, but they did give it. And now that I think about it, um, I think sometimes we do that with God. Well, you know, I, well, I did this. You know, I didn't, miss, I didn't miss church at all in the year 2017. That ought to count for something. We might not say it out loud, but sometimes we think that. We have these lists of things that, that, that we have to do. There are things that we do and we need to do, but we don't do them and check them on the list in order for God to give us his grace. Because that grace is something that we don't deserve and that we can't earn. It's not possible. So the gift of God's grace is three things this morning that I, that I want to mention that the gift of God's grace is. The first thing is this. It's free. Nothing's free, everybody. You try to do something for someone for no reason other than to just do it for them, and what do they do? They think, well, how much do I owe you? Right? Um, we, we did a free car wash in Las Vegas one time on a mission trip. Now, mind you, you've got to recognize that water is not cheap in Las Vegas in the summertime. Uh, in fact, we were told that, that just that half-day car wash increased the water bill of this particular church by $800. Every person that drove in the parking lot tried to give us money. We don't want your money. This is all about you receiving something that you don't deserve or that, that, that's un, that totally unmerited. We don't, we don't, we not only don't expect something from you, we don't want anything from you. I mean, we had guys throwing dollar bills out their windows or $10 bills and our kids would run up and grab them and try. He's rolling up the window as fast as he can and they're trying to stuff it back in. <laughs> Why is it so difficult to just receive a gift for free. Because we've been conditioned to think that though we read it often and the Bible says that, that, that our salvation is 
by grace alone, we still try to manage to squirrel in there some sort of way that we can deserve it. No, we can't pay for it. No one is good, not one, Paul says. It is a free gift. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9. You may know it by heart. Turn there with me if you would and look at it for yourself. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by what? Grace you have been saved through faith. And this what? Not from ourselves. It is the gift of God. It's absolutely free to us. Costs us. Doesn't cost us a thing. Therefore, if that bears true, then we should not only be able to sing out loud that God's grace is enough, but we should be able to live that way. His grace is enough. His grace is enough. Oh, now, it's... Sometimes people think free means cheap. I mean, you know, you've been to a Torrington parade, right? You get lots of free things when people are walking by and handing you stuff, and it's not high-dollar stuff. In fact, it's mostly advertising. But, except for the hospital that goes by and gives popsicles. That's just wonderful on a hot parade day. Um, but, but they're not expensive. Um, grace is not cheap. It was not cheap to give. In fact, it cost a life. It cost a life. It cost giving up a heavenly and a powerful position. It cost... Submission of the creator, really, to the creation. He entered this world as a, a, a human life, as a man. The Holy Spirit um, will come upon you, Mary, and you will conceive. And he, Jesus, will be great, and they will call him Jesus. It, it cost him death on a cross. And as children of God, we have received God's free gift of grace. We have it didn't deserve it, didn't do anything to earn it. It was just given. Thank you, Jesus. Now, when I was thinking about gifts this week and the the Christmas story and all of that that goes along with that, it, uh, of course, I thought about we the gifts of the of the Magi. I mean, you know, we three kings of Orient are, however, um, it's, it really is an unknown number of kings, by the way. They're, we don't know. Um, they, they say three because it works poetically with the song. Um, you know, we three kings of unknown, we the unknown number of kings of Orient are just doesn't work. <laughs> and there were three gifts, so they just say three kings. And you can imagine that each king having, uh, each magi having a gift and presenting it to Jesus. So in that sense, it works. In Matthew 2.11, we see this. On coming to the house, so again, just to um, educate us a little bit on traditions and traditional nativity scenes, um, which wouldn't really work, 
Um, we, you would have the manger over here in a stable, and you'd have the shepherds, because they did show up that night, and um, you might have the, the innkeeper off in the distance going, oh, I missed that opportunity. Um, and then over here on the other side of your yard, you, you'd, you'd have to build a little house, and, and in that you would have a, I don't know, two- or three-year-old Jesus with the, with the magi there presenting him with those gifts, because that's the time frame that this happens. But that doesn't all work. It doesn't tie neatly into our, 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 our Christmas thinking, and I think that's okay as long as we know the way that it actually happened. And Matthew 2.11 says, on coming to the house, not the manger, not the stable, they saw the child, not infant, not baby, with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's Matthew 2.11. Now, why were these gifts given to Jesus? The Bible doesn't tell us. Why, why do you pick what you pick to give somebody? Sometimes it's because you want to give them something that they don't already have. We've had this conversation about my dad for the last two weeks. Peggy Dessenfans has been having this conversation about her dad if you follow her on Facebook. What on earth do you give Gramps Baker for Christmas? He doesn't need anything. And he doesn't have room for anything. I already picked out what I'm getting for Christmas. My wife said, well, I guess you better buy it. So I did. It came in the mail a couple days ago. Oh, and I was pretty excited. It's a... It's a it's a new headset. It's a new um, aviation headset for flying. And the two that we're using aren't really very good. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to open this box. And she goes, you're not opening that. You can continue to use those other ones till after Christmas Day. Within four hours, it was wrapped and under the Christmas tree. My cousin sent me a text message this morning. He said, you could sneak it out and open it and, and try it out and then put it back and rewrap it. I'm like, no way. She would bust me. I don't care how sneaky I would be. So, so now I'm in this position of I'm, I'm actually looking forward to opening that because not, even though that I know what it is, it, it's, it's something that I'm looking forward to and something that I don't already have. Now, I don't know if that's the Magi are like, well, Jesus doesn't have any gold, frankincense, or myrrh, so let's bring him that. I, I, there, are, there's, there is, and I don't necessarily want to say speculation, but I think deduction, we can deduce what, what symbolically and what these uh, gifts actually did. You know, gold all since history began, is a precious metal. It's, it's worth a lot. It's, it's used as currency in cultures. And, and that gift of gold would have provided Joseph and Mary the ability to pay for expenses, to support this child. To, to, uh, in fact, we know that after the Magi visited and they left, Joseph was given a dream by God that said, hey, Joseph, you need to pack up and take Mary and Jesus, and you need to go to Egypt because Herod's coming after you, and I want to protect you. Now, I'm guessing the traveling wasn't, you know, cheap then, just like it isn't today. And this gold would have helped fund that. Uh, not only that, but, you know, kings and palaces, it's just, it, it just goes along the lines of, of kingly. Then there was this frankincense, and frankincense is a white resin from Boswella trees that has long been used for incense or perfume, and in some cultures used as medicine. Now the Magi 
presented this frankincense as a perfume or oil to be used for Jesus. Now, frankincense was always also used during worship in the Old Testament tabernacle times. It fits. You know, what an appropriate gift for the Messiah. Something that would already have been offered to him. Incense, frankincense, already as a form of worship. They bring it, they lay at his feet in worship to him. Right here today. Um, and, and of course, this, this uh, symbol can go both ways. Um, just like the frankincense in the Old uh, Testament was given as worship to Jesus, Jesus would one day be given up as an offering for us. And we also know that... Um, that was for the sins of humanity, his gift of grace to us. Their third gift was myrrh, and myrrh's been used throughout history in a variety of ways, taken from the resin of trees as well. Um, trees in Arabia of the Kamafora family, and it too was often used as a perfume. Others used it medicinally or as a digestive aid when mixed with wine. Um, it was used as a cosmetic, and it was also used for purification and embalming. And notably, it is often connected with the wine mix that was offered to Jesus on the cross. And its bitter taste is associated with the suffering Jesus endured on that cross. The most obvious thing to me is its use in embalming. When they took Jesus down off the cross and put him in, in the tomb, because it had to be done before nightfall, and... And that next time when the women came, what did they bring with them? They were going to treat his body, and one of those things that they were going to use was myrrh. God works that way, doesn't he? Over and over and over and over and over again. We see him doing something in the present, and we know and can probably expect that he's going to use that one thing someday in the future. He did that with the Passover. He did that with the plagues. He did that um, as, as he had the Jews put the blood over the doorposts of their homes so that, so that the angel of death would pass over their families. Covered by the blood of what? A lamb. And, and we know that Jesus would one day, hundreds of years later, in God's timing, Jesus would present himself as the lamb. Who would, whose blood would cover us as his gift of what? Grace, unmerited favor. Receiving something that we don't deserve. Now in the end, these wise men, these magi, gave what they had to show their devotion to Jesus as the new king. In fact, they became the first non-Jews to recognize the importance of Jesus. They traveled a great distance. As, as I've studied this, um, Many believe that they, they learned under the school of Daniel in Persia. You know, Daniel was taken to Persia and he never returned. And he taught them of the prophecies and what to look for. To great cost, it cost them to come worship him. They left him generous gifts and then they returned home as God directed them to. You know, you guys, you don't need to report back to Herod. You just need to slink off into back home, and I'll take care of the rest, and God did. 
Their honorable legacy continues to impact lives today as those who sought the Son of God and recognized him as king. Do you this morning recognize him as king? And do you recognize this gift of grace that he has offered? I hope so. Similar to point one, second, the, the second aspect of grace is this. It's, it's unearned. I know I've said that multiple times. But unearned, I think, is different than free. You know, when you take a coupon to a store, it says, here, turn this in for a free quarter pounder. Well, that's still earned, though it's free. You still have to take that coupon, this, which is why stores love to give you in-store credit. Where did that go? I forget. It's in some drawer somewhere. Who knows how many thousands of dollars of in-store credits we have not actually used. Anyway, um, we can't earn God's grace. Look at um, Ephesians 2 again. It is the gift of God, not by what? Works. So that no one can boast. We can't earn God's grace. You can't earn a true gift. Now, you could, you could give somebody a gift and expect one back, but that's not how we're to give gifts. You, you, we're to, that's sometimes how we receive one. We think, oh, no, I didn't get so-and-so a gift, and they just gave me a gift. And what do we do? We run out, and we buy them a gift, and we give it to them. No! I, you know what? If that happens between you and me, I don't want it. If, if you didn't think that you wanted to give me a gift, yet I thought to give you a gift, receive it, be thankful, and be done with it. But that's not how we operate, is it? Because we've been conditioned to think that we have to somehow deserve this or earn it or pay it back. No, this is unearned. And not only that, but if it were something that we could earn, then we would take credit for it. And there's no way we can take credit for what God did. Paul makes that clear. Grace is a gift because we can't do anything to cause it. We can't save ourselves. And if we could, we'd have... You know, instead of welcome to our home, it would say, hey, um, come on in. Welcome to David Anderson, saved on my own account. I don't know. That didn't really come out as good as I was in my head. <laughs> so here's the thing. We can't. <laughs> wow. I got an amen on that and nothing else so far. <laughs> um. We can't take credit. So you know what? Let's not. Let's not. Let's recognize it as unmerited and receive it and be thankful that God is that good of a gift giver and that he loves us that much. Tim Keller writes this. He says, Christmas is about receiving presents, but consider how challenging it is. And I would maybe argue against that a little bit, but it it is in many ways about receiving presents. But consider how challenging it is to receive certain kinds of gifts. Now, follow me here. Some gifts, by their very nature, make you swallow your pride. Now, I want you to know this would never happen in my household, okay? But imagine opening a present on Christmas morning from a friend, and it's a dieting book. Then you take off another ribbon and you're going to open another present and you open the next one. And this, you find another book from another friend and its title is Overcoming Selfishness. Now, if you say to them, thank you so much, you are in a sense admitting, for indeed I am overweight and obnoxious. 
Follow me here, though. Okay, in other words, some gifts are hard to receive because to do so is to admit that you have flaws and weaknesses and you need help. And what I'm saying to you here this morning is that we all need help. We cannot save ourselves. And we have to fight our pride and and fight our arrogance on this. And if we haven't surrendered ourselves yet to Jesus Christ, we need to admit that we're not so hot. We need to admit that we're, you know, spiritually maybe underweight or overweight and that we are obnoxious and that we do need a Savior. There has never been a gift offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do. Christmas means (laughs) that we are so lost so unable to save ourselves that nothing else outside the death of the Son of God himself could save us. That means that you are not somebody who can pull yourself together and live a moral and good life. It ain't possible. So let's just stop. So let's just stop trying to earn our way to heaven. I'm not saying... Stop trying to live a moral and upright life, mind you. But it's the attitude and the purpose and reason behind it. Let's worship God. Let's be thankful for what this gift of grace is. His forgiveness, salvation in Christ, the fact that we, as children of God, if you are a child of his here this morning, that you have been justified before a holy and pure God. And let's stop trying to earn it and instead worship Jesus this week and this Christmas season that is upon us as a gift. As a gift. Let's continue our journey to the 25th by taking time each day to think about and worship him for extending his grace to us. God, I, help me fight this this desire to justify myself. Help me recognize that it is just a gift from you and that there's no way I can earn it. I need help in that. Because I like to earn things. I like to win at things. I hate losing. And, it, and, and I don't, you know, those of you that know me, it's not like a sort of partial kind of want to win either. No, it's go big or go home. In everything. And that can spill over into my spiritual life. And, and I need God. I really need God to, to break me down sometimes. Because if, if he doesn't, I get too big for my britches. I mean, we all need that. He is bestowing on us the incredible gift of forgiveness and salvation. And we don't deserve it. But he does. And we can thank him for that. And we can worship him for that. Finally, God's grace is number three, effective. Turn with me to Romans 5, uh, verses 1 through 16. And I just want to read through these and make short comments in between. And then I'll close in prayer and we'll, we'll sing a final song this morning. 
Romans 5, 1 through 16. And Paul has already been explaining stuff. We know that because he says, therefore. So based on these things that he already said, and I don't have time to go through those this morning, you can read those as you leave today. Therefore, Paul says, since we have been justified through faith, okay, it's God's grace that's provided the provision, provided the provision for us to be justified before God. It's nothing that we have done. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God's grace is effective at bringing peace into our lives, and it comes through Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. As Christ followers, we are standing in his grace. We constantly receive what we don't deserve because his grace is effective. It works. He's all-powerful. He's like that. And, Paul says, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not in the hope of myself to save myself. Not in the hope of my, you know, incredible, incredible um, spiritual and theological and athletic abilities. No. No. We boast in the hope that we have of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering um, um, produces perseverance. Now, therein comes when when I sort of get too big for my britches, right? There's got to be some suffering here or I'm just going to be unable to live with. And try to justify myself left and right. But we know that this suffering is important in our life because it produces perseverance. It's effective in producing this. And that perseverance produces character and character hope. You don't have to watch a kid or an adult live life for very long when they are faced with adversity of some kind. What sort of character they have. And it starts early on. Uh, do they lack perseverance? Do, they, the, do they, they lack the ability to commit to something no matter what? It, it, we, can, we can tell that. It, it, we see it. Perseverance, character, and character. Then hope. And this hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's what we're celebrating. It's what we're worshiping. God poured this love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. What a gift. You see, Paul says in verse 6, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's all of us. Christ died for you and for me. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were still trying to earn it ourselves. We were still turning our back on him. We were still spitting in his face. Yet while we were doing that, he died for us. Since then, Paul says, we have now been justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Salvation from God's wrath. What a gift. What a gift. For 
If while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. Our boasting is in the person of Jesus Christ, not in ourselves. Sometimes it might take an action for us to do that. Um, Our boasting is in his works, not our works, not my works. Our boasting and worship is a response to the matchless grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Such a, such a hard concept for us to grasp or even touch on your grace. Why? What? seems crazy to us. But you did. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to, to learn and understand how to live in your grace. How to receive something that we don't deserve, that's totally and completely unmerited by us. But to accept that humbly and thankfully. And, and, and Father, I pray that if there's anybody in this room that has continued to try and justify this, themselves before you, and maybe this morning for the very first time, they think, wow, that's it. I've been trying to do it on my own. I need to surrender. I need, I need Jesus to save me. I pray, Father, that you would put the words in their heart and in their mind and, 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 and begin transforming their life, that, that here this morning, today, they would surrender themselves to you. And Father, thank you that your grace is effective. It's not something that we can, we just talk about and it, 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 we, I kind of think about it like, you know, glad tidings at Christmas time and everybody puts on a face and all that. It, it, your grace is not like that. It is powerful and effective. Transforming hearts and minds and lives for all of eternity Help us, Father, to live in that. And now, here's what I want to ask us to do this morning. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. And I just, you know, you can, we can stand as we close with the song. And in fact, go ahead and stand right now. Let's stand. And as, as you're... As we have our eyes closed, or I'm assuming that you still do, um, as you think about how the Magi approached Jesus the first time and offered him a gift, it wasn't here, here's something that you need um, and don't have. It was, we are sacrificing this to you as a form of worship and honor. Maybe there's something in your heart and your mind this morning that you would like to sacrifice to him as a form of worship and honor. And, and maybe God is, you know, moving you in your heart and maybe it's a, a surrender of your life for the first time. That can be a part of this as well. But if there's something that you would like to offer him this morning, just not as earning his grace, but in a response to his grace, <coughs> 
sort of laying down something that he's given you. I just, you know, as the worship team does this final song, just come up to the front of the stage and maybe kneel at the stage as if you were giving God a gift of frankincense, golden myrrh. Maybe put that sense of thankfulness into a physical action as we sing this last song.